appropriate for this morning. I'm going to encourage you to stand for the reading of the Word as able. And we're in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. And the uh, uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It's on the screen for you. We're going to focus uh, pretty heavy on verse 21 today. But other verses in here are very prominent. We'll get to those as well. Hear these words. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Can you uh, turn the lapel on? When you belong to Jesus Christ, a couple things happen. And the first thing that happens when you belong other than the redemption and the joy that the Holy Spirit brings with it, is you can have a hunger for the Word of God. You want to learn more about this Jesus and and who He is, and you know that in the Bible that's where you find those words. And so you begin to look and search there for those. And that hunger grows and grows. And uh, it doesn't just become a hunger to read it, but to live it and to be a part of it and for it to be digested through you. In verse 21 it says to receive with meekness the implanted Word. And that Word to be implanted, you have to partake of it and take it and let it be a part of who you are. But the second thing that happens in salvation is you have this hunger to serve and be obedient to God. That no longer is serving God and doing things that He asks us to do something like, oh, i got to do this. It's more like, what can I do, God, to bless you and your kingdom? What can I do to make others know who you are? Because... I want others to know what I found. And I want others to find freedom that I have experienced. And it's no longer a burden, but rather a joy to love out of that relationship rather than to love and to serve out of compulsion and because you don't know what else to do. Would you rather not live for joy than out of slavery? Wouldn't you like to do something because you love doing it rather than having to do it? You get it done with a lot more enthusiasm is what they say, and I agree. But before we get to uh, that part of salvation and all of that, I want to pull us back to verse 19 where it says, Let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or anger. And listen to this statement. We all have two ears and one mouth. Two to one is the ratio there. 
So that means if you have two of something, it should be twice as busy as the one thing, right? And that one thing twice as busy as two things trying to catch up. So what do we mean by that? Is when you are listening, you're not trying to think about what you're saying. Rather, when we learn, and this is how this works, we learn by hearing the Word of God. Not by speaking it, but by hearing it. So learning the Word of God is a slow process. And you have to study and listen and and hear it and take it and process that through who you are. Acting on that action is quicker than listening. Study takes time. Learning who you are in Christ takes time. Acting on what you've learned and doing an action is a present moment. But learning is ongoing. So is listening. Last week we talked about a self-agenda that we have that runs us out of the ability to love. And that is not a powerful, helpful thing. It is a destructive thing for most of the time. Now I want to share this with you. If you are quick to speak, your self-agenda is most likely involved because you want to say something so people get to hear what you say because this is what you've got to say you want them to hear. And that's your idea coming through. Uh, but if it's God on your heart, He'll put the timing there and you'll say it at the right time. Now, I'm going to read verse 19 in the opposite. Are you ready? This is how the world operates with it this way. Let everyone be slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. You know, sometimes Scripture, when you say them in the reverse, you understand why it's said the way it is. And I like to do that. I'll take someone who says, don't do this, and say, do this, and say, oh, now I get the true intent. Because if you look at it that way, where it says, uh, slow to listen, <laughs> that's the same thing as hard-hearted, isn't it? My wife says, I don't listen very well, or something like that. I didn't really hear what she said when she was some. <laughs> Yeah, missed it. Um, and if I'm quick to speak, it means I want to say something regardless of what you're saying because I'm not listening to what you say. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Anybody ever get into that trap besides me? Okay, everybody who's not raised their hand is in denial. We have a reason we're here today to learn that we're in denial that we do want people to hear what we have to say because what we have to say we believe is more important than what they are saying. That's our agenda. It's us saying, you got to listen to me because what I have to say is important. But what about this? I'm going to listen to you quick and be slow to speak because what you have to say is important to me. So I'm going to listen. Some folks are getting a chuckle out of that. And I, I promise you, it's because it makes us uncomfortable to hear these things. But I also promise you this. When you hunger for the Word of God, you want to hear God. A lot of times you don't hear God when you're praying because you're doing all the talking. Meditation is listening for God to speak. Whether it be through music, environment, a word, or uh, anything that God can speak to you with, He will use. He's used a given song for me at a given time. Or even uh, an element of nature. One time I said, God, I know that hawks are a symbol of Holy Spirit to some people. So today, Heavenly Father, I would like to see a hawk. And He showed me four. 
How many days do I get to see four hawks in them? So far, one. One in my lifetime where I saw four in that day. And do you think God was trying to give me an, an insight? Trying to get me to remember that when He does something, He does it very well. He's trying to get me to listen. Here's the hardest thing for people to understand. God is love. His mercy endures forever. He is good. God is good. There's no darkness in Him. We all have this agenda, and we've been learning this through this first chapter of James, that we think God has some sort of darkness sometimes. You know, God's mad at me. He doesn't want me around. He thinks that I'm no good. Those things are not from God. Those thoughts are us being quick to speak what we believe others should think about us, including God. But God is permanent and constant, does not change. He loved you then, He loves you now, and He loves you tomorrow. He cared for you then, He nurtured you then, He does today, and He will tomorrow. He was concerned in the past about your today and your tomorrows, and He's concerned today about your todays and tomorrow, and He will be tomorrow as well. And not only that, but He's also concerned about your family yesterday, He's concerned about your family today, and He's concerned about your family tomorrow, and He knows what He's going to do if you will listen. But we are sometimes quick to get angry, quick to speak, and slow to hear, because we don't hunger for the presence of God when we feel like life is moving too slow toward what God wants. But again, that is our agenda. Did you know that God has the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Did you know that He's the three in one? And I've often wondered a good way to understand that, and I think I have one for you that helps you. And that is this, that some people can perceive God as a loving Father, as a holy, heavenly Father. There are some people who have difficulty with Father images. And so, so He brought you a brother, Jesus Christ. But there's some people who aren't so good with brothers and they're more good with father images. And so, so they have a, a brother image and a father image. A, a friend image is Jesus Christ. But some folks aren't so good with that. So God has the Holy Spirit which manifests itself as love. And because some of us aren't so good at male images, they become hostile or abusive in our lives. And so we need another image. And God says, My Holy Spirit is my presence manifested with you. So you know who I am is not who you think I am, but I am love. And when God says that, we go, but I don't know what's the Holy Spirit, which is not the Holy Spirit. How do I know what's what in my life? And those questions cause us to struggle because we want the answer to this before we listen. Our heart's questions give us a good idea about our relationship with God. If we say, God, can you get me through this? Can you help me? In the passage I read for you to start worship, blind men, two of them, are on the side of the road begging for Jesus, the Son of David, to have mercy. And they keep begging even after people have said, be quiet, he's busy. Don't trouble the teacher. Let him teach us. You, be quiet. But they shouted out louder. Just like blind Bartimaeus said, they got louder. And finally Jesus stopped and called them to him. And what did Jesus say? 
What do you want me to do for you? What really, really matters to you? What's really, really important? And if you hear Jesus ask you anything other than that this morning, I hope you hear Him say that. What do you want Jesus to do for you right now? A lot of people, well, I'd like to, you know, have a peace on earth and win the lottery and, you know, happy life. All these things. But what do you want Him to do for you right now? And for you means in you. To you right now. And, and, we, and we miss that because we're so busy trying to think of what God can do to fix situations rather than work through in us what He's trying to do to instill this hunger for more of who He is in us. And the one thing I keep asking Him to do is make yourself more alive in me and me less alive in me. Right? That the world in me would see you in me rather than me in me. Get me out of the way because I get in the way. I don't know what your prayer is, but I, I want God, when I read the Word, to go, yeah, that's right, I wrote that. <laughs> you know, Yeah, that's good. That's about me. That's what I want God to say as I'm reading inside of me going, yeah, get this. This is really good. You'll like this one. That kind of relationship. I don't know what you would say when He asked you, but what would you say? Just simply, what do you want Jesus to do for you right now? What do you want Him to do to you, in you, right now? And the difficulty is we have so many different things that that answer is. Maybe it's, I want people to be honest with me or I want people to you know, get along. I want my church to grow. I want people to be uh, in one accord like they were in the New Testament. I want the Holy Spirit in me. Whatever it is, it tells you about your relationship with Jesus Christ in the sense of what you think you don't have. When you answer that question, it's what you think you don't have from Jesus. So if you said, I want hope, it means you think you don't have it. If you want better things in life, it means you don't have those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is we always talk to God from a place of lack to His abundance. But what He's saying is, what do you want me to do? Now, what do you want me to give you? What do you want me to do? And the answer to that question depends on what you think He can do and what you think you need Him to do and what you think can change within you and what might change or that you need to change if He did do it. Those are tough questions, but if you don't start listening to your own voice, you won't hear yourself asking for what you lack. But it's true. Why would we ever ask somebody for something we already have? Lord, I'd like you to love me. He already does. Lord, I'd like you to send your son to die. He already did. You don't ask for what you have. You ask for what you believe you don't. But in the Scripture, it says it is God's desire to give you all His kingdom. All that He has. And yet, we think, for some reason... We don't merit worth for that. And so we don't listen to God because our agenda says I can't hear Him because He doesn't want to do what I think He ought to do. I don't know about you, but I really, really want God 
to just slow me down. That's it. To stop being in a rush everywhere. To know that no matter what happens, at the end of life, I'm going to have plenty of time to be slowed down because I won't be doing anything except for nothing. There's time to slow down with Him. That's what I say. I'll rest when I'm dead. But God is trying to say, slow down, be still. You know, and, and, and we miss this. Be still and know that I am God. And it doesn't mean sit there. Just stand there. By be still, He means be quiet. But all the other voices inside your head, be quiet. Quiet those voices and you will know I am God. Because I'm not those other voices that tell you who you are. I'm the one that tells you that you are my child and my beloved. You belong to me and listen to me. What did Jesus hear from His heavenly Father when He was baptized? This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my Son, my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Jesus is speaking volumes of love to each one of us. And what we need to hear from Him is being spoken, but we're so busy being noisy in our own heads, we can't hear it. Or the situation around us looks like out of control and crazy, and God, if He really was God, this wouldn't be happening. And God is not your situation. God is not that. God is that part that never changes. And your situations change like the weather. So that's what He says. Be quick to hear. To listen. To be ready to listen at all times is a great gift. And I'm not talking about conversationally where someone's talking and you just want to jump in and interrupt and all this other stuff because that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is be quick to listen to the voice of God in every situation. Now here's what's funny. Because the Apostle Paul says something that really almost takes this to a different level. He says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Well, if you're praying all the time and never stop, and it says be slow to speak, then you're talking all the time. It seems that way, doesn't it? But what if your prayer is this? God, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm looking for You. God, I'm here. What do You want me to know? What are You trying to show me? What if that is the kind of prayer that you have that gets you into listening mode with God? And each statement you say is saying, God, have mercy on me. God, Your mercy endures forever like the Scripture says. God, You ask me to be slow to speak. I'm listening. I'm here. As Samuel was instructed by uh, the one he went to when he was awoke three times, he said, Say to God, speak, for Your servant is listening. Now, do you see yourself as a servant of God and wanting to hear every word He says so you can do it and be, and be delighted in knowing that He loves you and wants you to do things for Him and so honored by that? Or is it, God, I just need you to fix some stuff. To change me. Because God, I don't know what else to do. You see, there's a time in our life when our prayer is constantly flowing up before God and there are two times that I know for sure. 
in the face of loss, and then the face of destitution. Very rarely, when things are going really well, are you going, God, you know, just really thank you, want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and just going nonstop because you're enjoying the things that are well. But it's when you're in the deepest destructive parts of life where the prayer almost nonstop. And, and I think, for lack of a better way to say this, I think those things happen to show us the value of that relationship to us. And then when things get better, we kind of slip back out of it. And we let it go a little bit. I really believe that. And so, slow to speak. Slow to anger. And it says in verse 20, the wrath of man or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, it doesn't say don't get angry. It says to be slow to get angry. Because we get some people get angry at the drop of a hat. You ever seen that? Someone, like someone looks at them funny and they go, oh, I'm mad at you now. Look, see how they looked at me? What are you looking at? I've heard that. Man, I'm not going to use a bus illustration, but in many situations where someone sees somebody look at them, there'll be a fight started. Or someone looks at some guy's wife and the guy thinks he's, you know, the guy's looking at the guy's own wife and so the guy gets mad and says, you're looking at my wife, aren't you? That's my wife. You need to leave her alone. You never heard that before? I mean, it all the time, right? Quick to anger rather than quick to love. You see, we're slow to love and quick to anger. And I don't know why that is except for that our hearts are tuned to our own agenda and our own desires rather than the heart of God that says love. And the reason we are not tuned in is because we're quick to speak and slow to pray and slow to love. So we have our agenda running that we're listening slowly (laughs) rather than quickly. And God's trying to say, you know, this situation where you're angry just might be the place where I'm trying to heal you. Of your insecurity, your jealousy, your anxiety. We all struggle with something. We all do. And I have to ask, if you know about it, what do you do about it? If you know some of your own behaviors harm relationships or yourself, do you not understand that this is God showing you through the consequences that you need to come back to God and say, God, do something in me to change me. To be quick to love means you also love yourself in healthy ways. And, and not, we're not real good at this. And, and I hate that. I really, really do. Because most of us don't know how to love self. We don't know how to stand there and say, I love me. Rather, we do things that destroy us. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit, alright? I said this before, but not in this kind of way. Uh, about uh, four weeks ago, our work began a new health plan um, program, and I signed up for it. And they sent me a free scale. You know, I don't know about you, but I would not say that was a gift. Here's a scale. We're going to use it to monitor you. You step on it at least three times a week to be a part of this thing, so you can have better rates on your health coverage. So I get on it the first day. It doesn't congratulate me. It just shows me the truth. And so after I see the truth, I know exactly from where I am to where I want to be what the difference is. Right? 
And every day I have to get on this thing and the coach and the thing says, okay, have you waited today? Uh, I don't want to know the truth. Do you think there's something going on inside of me or is there something wrong with the coach? The coach must have the problem because they're asking me to weigh and I don't want to. I don't want to know if I'm doing good or bad at this because I know that the answer is probably not going to be what I want to be and if it is, it's probably temporary. Because I yo-yo. Mostly I yo. So, here's my task. My task has been to get to 180 in the church and in my physical weight range. I had 22.5 pounds, according to the scale, 22.67 pounds to go to get to 180 when I started. Yesterday, I had 24.67 to go. And it asked me to weigh if I have clothes on or not. And so normally, uh, lately, I've been putting my bathrobe on and not taking it off and I weigh and so I'm a few pounds heavier and I'm thinking, once I take it off, it'll think I'm losing weight. So the next day, I took the bathrobe off I took the phone out of my pocket, took my slippers off, stood on, and when I was four pounds less, and says, who are you? This is not the guy who was on this scale before. <laughs> it did not register me. It says, who is this? Do you have someone new to add to the scale? And I'm thinking, no. This is actually what I weigh without all that extra weight on me. And this is the truth. Right? And so I'm standing there looking at it, and I'm going, it's me. I just took the bathrobe off. I'm arguing with a scale that's telling me a truth, right? And so now, after I did that, I realized something. I was in denial. Because the weight after I took all that off was more than the weight when I started. And I'm thinking I'll take it all off and I'll be doing well. Because I want to be less weight. Because I want to be. Do you think that's how things work? Because you want to, and all of a sudden the universe is going to agree with you and you're just going to be better? Just because you want to? Or do you think the Scripture says we got some work to do on ourselves? And the way we think, the way we respond, and the way we look at ourselves and the world around us, and we have to do some inner work and godly work to get to the place where God's calling us to be. I can't be healthier if I stay with the same habits. If I don't change what I'm doing, I will be the same as I am. So it is with Scripture that we can look at the truth and hear it and be angry at it, but it's still the truth. If we're angry quick and speak too quick and don't listen to God very well, it's not because it's not the truth. It's because we are not good at that. And if we're not good at that and we see the consequences of that in our life, then we are under constraint to bring that to the foot of the cross and say, God, do a work in me. Have your way with me and do what you need to do. That's why he can say in verse 21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And this, this filthiness and wickedness doesn't mean like dirt and grime. It means the thinking and the ideas that don't line up with God's holiness for you. And he says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And, and you understand why it says meekness. It's because, oh Lord, I really need this. I really need you. Without you, I can't do this. 
Because I've tried and on my own it doesn't work. I've tried my best to manage my life and all those things. But God, my work is junk. Because it's not working the way I want it to turn out. So how can you help me? And so he says, receive it with meekness, the implanted word. And here's the good thing about this, and I love the way God is. Even if you don't listen to Him, He's still planted a seed inside you to grow when you start. As soon as you turn to Him, it starts to grow inside you and transform you. What's the kingdom of heaven like? A seed. That when planted and can grow, it becomes fruitful. The seed is in you when Jesus Christ and you begin a relationship. But that seed has to germinate in good soil and grow that way. Do you understand that? It's not difficult to figure that out for me. That that implanted word God put there. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not there. If you've never become a believer in Christ and given your life to Him, the seed hasn't been stuck in there. It's divinely placed. It's implanted. It's not you're born with it. He puts it there by the power of the Holy Spirit at the moment you sacrifice or surrender, if you will, or sacrifice your life to Christ and begin living for Him. That seed is planted. And what comes next is what causes it to grow. And that's why he says in verse 22, be doers of the Word and not just hearers of it, deceiving yourselves. 4 and 23 and 4, if anyone hears the Word and doesn't do it, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, I love that verse, but there is on the screen, you'll see it, when you look in the mirror, do you forget what kind of man you were? Do you forget after looking in the mirror what you look like? When you look in the mirror and you walk away and don't remember, you forget what you look like. But this one says when you look in the mirror, you forget what kind of person you are. You forget what you are in front of God. And when you forget the Word isn't implanted in you, growing because that Word hasn't been given space because you forget you need it. That it can only grow by the water of the Holy Spirit in grace. The implanted Word is able to save you. Not it has saved you. The meekness here means to not dictate what God is trying to do with your life, but rather to seek it. Are you truly wanting a holy life? Some people say, well, yeah, of course I want a holy life. But no, not really. Don't even know what it means, really. It's hard to understand because that's so generic of a term. We don't know what holy life looks like. But maybe this is more what, what it is. Are you wanting peace? What is it you want God to do in you? What is it you think He can't do? 
Our inner peace has been sacrificed by exchange for so much other stuff. And it just really crowds us out and makes us angry. If you don't have God fighting your battles, wouldn't you tend to be a little angry and have to do them yourself? Here's what Scripture suggests to us this morning. If you know that you have quick to anger, there's a source for it. And even if you're slow to anger, your anger has a source. And Scripture saying, eliminate the source of the anger. Not, I'm mad at that person, therefore i got to eliminate them. They are not the source of your anger. Your anger comes from within you. Whether an injustice, a frustration, a difficult response, whatever it is. Sometimes our anger is veiled as sarcasm. Did you know sarcasm is just thinly veiled anger? That phrase, eh, do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I heard that, but it was in a conversation with uh, my wife. And I said, I'm thinking about doing this. And she says, eh, do whatever you want. She was not saying, hey, anything you want is cool with me. You know, I, I love you. I want you to do whatever you want. What she's saying is, you made your bed, you line it, you do whatever you want, but I have no part of this. It's the same thing as that phrase, fine. When asked how you're doing. Do whatever you want. It's a, I frustrate with you, I give up, I'm done. Right? Whatever. Exactly, the whatever one that has become so annoyingly popular. Uh-huh. That's a sarcastic remark. And it's thinly veiled anger. But what it's really saying is, I don't want to hear you anymore. Because you don't listen. And so, if I am a person who's angry enough to act out of that anger, I need to know where that anger's coming from. I'm going to be just blunt, and then I'm going to quit because y'all are going to not like this. And this is good, because then you'll think about it. When you are angry, do you know what inside of you is stirred up? Do you know if it's because you feel unloved, unappreciated, someone doesn't understand you, they're ignoring you? What is your deeper source of that inner anger that comes out? Some people get angry because there's stuff in their past, whether it's a child or from their parents or relationships, it keeps coming out when they get angry. Because, and they don't know it because, well, you know, this person did this and therefore I feel justified in my anger because this person did this. But it's not from that other person. Nobody can make you angry without your consent. And your consent is triggered by something generally in something that's unsettled in you. The only time Jesus was angry in Scripture that I can think of is when He cleared out the temple. And He cleared it out because Scripture said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. And you made it into a den of thieves and robbers. And wouldn't you like to be angry over stuff that isn't holy in your life. Rather than whether you're getting justice or right or wrong or fair. Scripture is very clear that holiness is what we should be upset about when injustice is being done to others, not ourselves. But we see all over the news people getting hurt and people just watch 
and not get angry. The injustices in our world are so many and few so mad about it because it isn't affecting them. But it does affect the heart of God. So what do you want God to do for you? I want God to give you a heart like His. To love like His. To see the pain around you and to listen to the people around you as they share it. And ask God, God, what can I do? God, why have you placed me in this person's path? What part of this can I do? One of the things I've been telling myself lately, I'm going to tell you this as a close. It's a lot of times when you try to get out in traffic and and there's just a lot of cars. And, and it, you know what I've learned? It only takes one person to stop and let you out for you to get out. It only takes one. There can be 50 cars streaming by, but if someone sees you've been sitting there, you're trying to get out, and they have a red light coming up or whatever, and they stop and let you out, it only takes one to do that. And when that one does that, it's like, you surprised me. Thank you. Do you know why I say this? Because so often people are so busy with their own agenda, they run people over rather than let them out into the flow of life. It only takes one to stop and say, I see you. I hear you. Let's go together for a while. That transformation, it only takes one. Truly. Do you know how many saviors it took to save our world? It only took one. It only took one crucifixion, one resurrection by one Heavenly Father who loved you so much that He is the one when you think there is none. And so when someone is kind to you, know that that is God's expression of His love for you. And you can be one of those ones also. It only takes one, truly, to make a difference. Well, I told a story the other day about a man who rode the bus. So he's going to ride all day until the line closes. And if one person smiles at him throughout the day, he's not going to take his own life. He rode the bus all day and jumped off the bridge to take his life because not even one smiled. He lived. He didn't die. He got up and said, I'm telling you this story because you don't know who you're coming across that you can be the one to. We have two ears and one mouth. When you look in the mirror, don't forget what kind of person you are. You're a person with two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. Be quick to see and quick to listen, slow to speak, because you don't know what you're seeing yet until you talk it over with God. Speak after speaking to God. And yes, we all, but yes, me, need to learn this. And that's why I think this passage is so important for us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'd love to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, and sometimes I just get anxious. 
And I don't ever ask you, God, why? What's the source of my anxiety? I just say it's because I'm anxious i got to do this rather than saying, God, remove the anxiety. And so, Heavenly Father, I ask You to help us not to justify our actions, but rather find the root cause so You can heal that and we can be holy in a world that doesn't understand it because it only takes one to transform a life. And sometimes that one doesn't show up. So God, may that never ever be so named among us that we weren't that one. For as you provide opportunity, Heavenly Father, open our eyes and ears to hear. That we wouldn't forget what kind of person we are. And that is a person in need of grace and mercy, just like the person in our path. Thank you for that. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.